Coming up on We Talk News this week, over 70% of Americans support President Biden's initiative to reform federal cannabis laws, while industry reaction is mixed. U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra is already working with the FDA to review cannabis's federal scheduling status. Major League Baseball welcomes Charlotte's Web as their first official CBD sponsor. Everything's gonna be Three days of very high lifestyle show was a huge success in Boxborough, Massachusetts, filled with celebrities and entertainment. All that and more on We Talk News with Elena Pinto next. Pro Cannabis Media original content is sponsored by Revolutionary Clinics with three locations in the greater Boston market where the medical patient comes first. And by Green Goddess Supply, your online paraphernalia superstore and the home of the Armoire Indoor Growing System. And by Holyoke Cannabis, the sponsor of the Massachusetts Cannabis Report. And by TCP Lighting, Grow like a pro with Style Lighting's LED Grow Kit. And by Charles River Insurance, your experienced insurance specialist for the cannabis industry. And Greenspoon Martyr, one of the most respected law firms in the cannabis industry. We are Pro Cannabis Media. everyone, I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media and welcome to Weed Talk News. It's been a week since President Joe Biden announced he would award pardons to those with federal cannabis charges and ask the federal government to reconsider the schedule status of cannabis. And seven days into this call to action, a new poll from Politico shows nearly two thirds of American voters support that move and 69% saying they'd like to see the classification of the plant change under federal law. But upon further investigation into what this move actually means, outlets like the Washington Post found that no one is actually currently in federal prison for simple cannabis possession. The pardons, however, will help clear some level of charges for at least 6,000 people and help victims of the war on drugs. Benzinga also reports the pardons will apparently not help military members, but will increase the number of people eligible to apply to join the service. Vice President Kamala Harris appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers this week, where he gently pressed her about what else can be done beyond calling state governors to make the same move. So we start with that, and then we are, to your point, urging, and the president has been very clear, we're urging governors and states to take our lead and to pardon people who have been criminalized for possession of marijuana. And ultimately, though, as with so many issues, if Congress acts, um, then there is a, a, a uniform approach to this and so many other issues. But Congress needs to act. We're 29 days away from the midterms. Um, ask who you're voting for, wh- where they stand on this, and um, and I encourage you to vote accordingly. It looks like some lawmakers at the state level are ready to consider some change. This week, Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir said he's actively considering possible cannabis clemency actions the state can take. And he's directed a review of state-level cannabis cases to inform future steps. 
He's also encouraging people who've been convicted over marijuana alone to apply for a pardon. Let me just say nobody should ever go to jail for a simple possession of marijuana. And right now in Kentucky, they don't. It could be that that uh, charge is with a bunch of other more serious charges. Um, but to our knowledge, there isn't anyone in jail or prison in Kentucky right now solely for the simple possession of uh, marijuana. Obviously, the charge could uh, potentially do that. And and there there is, uh, I know, a real concern uh, by folks uh, about that. But while we're analyzing this, um, you know, anybody out there who um, this is the only thing on their record, go to our website and apply for a pardon. A handful of other states have already expanded their expungement processes as of recent. And Marijuana Moment does a great job of breaking down where each state currently stands on that decision. While many are applauding this move from the White House, one Congresswoman is calling on the president to do even more in his own backyard. Representative Eleanor Holmes Norton of the District of Columbia pointed out that because the district doesn't have statehood and is currently under a marijuana rider, DC does not have the authority to issue its own clemency. And now she's calling on the president to change that. Let's check in with Vote Pro Podcast Phil Adams with more on what's happening on Capitol Hill this week. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News DC Report. The Fed now says that state legalization of cannabis has had a significant positive impact on the U.S. economy. A report published by the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City finds that the emergence of the legal cannabis industry has contributed to employment and created stronger demand for commercial real estate. These, along with the growth in retail sales of cannabis, have generated significant tax revenues in legal states. The report also recognizes some challenges faced by the burgeoning cannabis industry, most notably the lack of access to traditional financial services due to federal prohibition. A federal court ruling could create a safe haven for cannabis paraphernalia imports in legal states. The U.S. Court of International Trade has ruled that state-level legalization provides an exception to the ban imposed under the Controlled Substances Act. That law defines drug paraphernalia as virtually anything intended to facilitate the introduction of a controlled substance into the human body. The case was brought after U.S. Customs and Border Protection denied the import of cannabis trimming equipment from Canada to Washington State in 2021. The plaintiff, Eteros Technologies USA, argued that federal law protects the importation of items authorized by local, state, or federal law. The court agreed, saying that the CSA clearly creates a statutory exemption for anyone authorized to manufacture, possess, or distribute such items. While the Justice Department is expected to appeal the case, Eteros is hailing the decision as a huge win for the cannabis industry. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Meanwhile, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra has already said publicly he's looking forward to working with Attorney General Garland to answer the president's call to action to review how marijuana has scheduled under federal law. And we will, of course, keep you updated on any scheduling changes that may happen. 
while we wait to see if more expungements happen at the state level, some of them are at least considering the legalization of medical or adult use cannabis. Could it happen in Pennsylvania? Claudia Post takes a closer look at where the Keystone State stands on legalization and pardoning prisoners. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm right here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for Weed Talk News. First up, could 2023 be the year of legal weed adult use in Pennsylvania? Maybe, but don't count on it. Kind of pessimistic. While all of the states around us have legalized adult use, we have failed to do so. So what's holding it up? Well, what's holding it up is Pennsylvania, which is what I call Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Pennsylvania in between. You have a lot of people in the middle of the state who still think that marijuana is a gateway drug. But of course, they're going to have their cocktails, drink to their heart's content, get hammered, and that's okay. I don't know. I don't get it. So there are Democrats and Republicans in the middle of the state who do not want to see adult use legalized. Now, what are we missing? We're missing a lot of revenue, of course, because there's seep over the borders. People are going to go to New Jersey like they're doing now, and they're going to go to a rec store, and they're going to buy it, and then bring it back. Of course, they used to do that with alcohol, as I recall. Um, anyway, that remains to be seen, and it is um, going to be an issue in the upcoming midterms. As we all know, on Thursday, President Biden pardoned thousands of people convicted of, in the federal courts of marijuana possession and urged states to follow his lead. Our governor has been pro-cannabis from the beginning. And he said that he had coordinated a pardon effort but that under state law, he doesn't have unilateral pardon authority. Again, the issue will likely come up for the next governor in Pennsylvania. We have two diametrically opposed uh, opponents. One is Mastriano, who under no circumstance once legalized adult use, and his Democratic opponent, Josh Shapiro absolutely supports legalizing marijuana for recreational use. Of course, Mastriano would not respond when requested uh, from the Inquirer, our main newspaper here, about what his thoughts are, but of course, that's what he always does. Next, a series of investigative stories from Spotlight PA, which by the way, is a really good publication uh, really kind of unearths a lot of stuff that's going on in Pennsylvania, uncovered a lot of serious flaws in our medical marijuana program, which prompted for calls for change from doctors, patients, industry leaders, and policymakers. So here's what they found. Misleading or dangerous tactics by cannabis business unequal advertising rules, legal gray areas 
for workers and employers and inconsistent enforcement by the administration. What's included in the report? First, a review of more than 60 websites revealed that some cannabis companies made statements that multiple health policies and addiction treatment experts call misleading, incorrect, or dangerous. The analysis focused on claims that companies made about using cannabis to treat opioid addiction. Now, frankly, I do know that many people who have been um, addicted will migrate to marijuana to mitigate the need for other things. And they use it as an adjunctive cure, if you will, um, to get off of opioids. I mean, wouldn't you rather smoke weed than, you know, oxycodone? But of course, you know, that's uh, that's legal. So the other thing is, secondly, patients in Pennsylvania need approval from a physician before they can buy cannabis at dispensaries. Now, initial certifications often cost between 125 and 225 and must be renewed annually. Of course, that's a cost to people and a big one, but unusual advertising restrictions and inconsistent enforcement have given an advantage to largely unregulated businesses, meaning they can charge whatever they want. Meanwhile, an individual physician working on their own in a small practice are not allowed unless they're uh, designated by the state. Lastly, a review of more than a dozen state and federal lawsuits show how medical marijuana patients in Pennsylvania are being denied work, demoted, or fired for using the drug. Employers and workers alike have asked for greater clarity, but the legislature and the governor have so far failed to explicitly outline the rights, which makes absolutely no sense. So you could smoke marijuana, you could get a leak, you can get the card, but then you can get fired because you smoke marijuana. I don't know, it's kind of a bizarre thing. Well, that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post for Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week. Arkansas is another state looking at legalization this year, specifically for medical use, but the campaign to do so may not be going quite as planned. The Arkansas Advocate reports the city of Little Rock sent a cease and desist letter to a group sponsoring Arkansas's recreational marijuana ballot initiative, demanding the group take down an ad they say depicted Little Rock police officers. Brave men and women in law enforcement deserve our support. You can vote to support our law enforcement by voting for Issue 4 this election. Issue 4 will safely legalize the sale of cannabis to adults 21 and older and creates revenue that goes to more funding for local police departments, more funding for protecting our communities, more funding for safer streets. A Little Rock City attorney says the department has received inquiries as to why it's supporting the amendment, quote, when in fact it is not, unquote. But Responsible Growth Arkansas has declined to remove the ad and disagreed that it contained any insignia or logo that identified the Little Rock Police Department. Also in the South, dozens of licensed cultivators in Mississippi have plants growing. More than a thousand patients are registered, but the Mississippi State Department of Health has zero investigators and only three staffers currently overseeing the state's new medical cannabis program. 
Right now, only one testing facility has been licensed and is only partially ready to test products. Health department officials say the agency is in a four-month provisional period with licensed businesses. And as it finds problems or violations, it's typically just issuing corrective actions, giving businesses a chance to straighten up without hitting them with fines or sanctions or calling in law enforcement. So hopefully they can get their staffing up to snuff before things get too wild. And it's not quite the Wild West, but some companies in Michigan seem to be taking tough blows from law enforcement. The owners of Great Lake Supplement CBD Company were recently raided via SWAT style, with police alleging the business is breaking laws regulating the commercial production and sale of marijuana. But the owners claim the business operates openly and legally under the state's Medical Marijuana Act. Another example of how the gray areas of legality can severely harm small businesses and another medical-only shop, this one in Detroit, is suffering some legal penalties as well. Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson has the details. Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, the AAA just held their first ever impaired driving summit at their Dearborn headquarters this week. Here's some highlights. We hate cannabis. Alcohol causes more driving fatalities than drug driving. We hate cannabis. The number of drug drivers on the road is increasing. And even though the numbers don't define how many people were using cannabis versus opioid drugs, we still hate cannabis. There you go. Now you're all caught up. By the way, this group will be pushing for more oral swab testing on the roadside for drivers suspected of having used drugs. You've been warned. On Tuesday, the cannabis community rallied on the steps of the Capitol building in Lansing, and it was spectacular. The weather was fantastic. The Capitol building allowed us to have tents, and boy, there were tents. More than 30 people spoke, including Senator Irwin, Adam Brooke, the head of Indiana Normal, the Independent Party's candidate for governor, Dr. Witte spoke, and many others, including myself. Regulated market brands, they had tents right next to unregulated market brands, and everyone worked together in harmony. Now, both regulated and legacy markets will always coexist, so why not just get along, which was the theme of the day anyway. And in our final story, well, let's run through all the cool kid phrases, shall we? Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater, liar, liar, pants on fire. Getting caught is a pain, said the house of Mary Jane. <sighs> yes, one of Detroit's medical only facilities was busted a year and a half ago for having duffel bags and backpacks full of unlicensed and untracked cannabis inside their licensed provisioning center. And they're just now getting penalized for it. In May of 2021, the Marijuana Regulatory Agency inspectors made a surprise inspection at the House of Mary Jane facility on James Cousins in Detroit, and they found loads of untagged non-metric cannabis. Now, by law, state regulators are not given the authority to seize anything, so they had to leave it all there with strict orders to preserve all those bags full of evidence of cheating, and, and then also preserve the last 30 days of video surveillance 
which could also be called evidence of cheating. Guess what happened when investigators came back five days later? Yep, all the evidence of cheating was gone. I am so shocked. It took seven months from May of 2021 until December of 2021 for the Marijuana Regulatory Agency to issue an order outlining the violations, which is too long. And it took from December 2021 until October of 2022 to negotiate the penalty House of Mary Jane agreed to, which is way too long. Our Cannabis Regulatory Agency has promised to step up enforcement actions against licensed cannabis companies who cheat, but the CRA needs to step up their standard operating procedures to adjust for these procedural failures and unnecessary administrative delays. And for all that cheating and deleting and misleading, the House of Mary Jane, they got a $75,000 fine and a 30-day license suspension. It took 17 months for this whole scenario to play out. The system needs to work better. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Back in the U.S., California's cannabis market has been struggling for years. And this week, the state's attorney general announced that nearly 1 million illegally grown plants and more than 200,000 pounds of processed cannabis were seized by state authorities during the 2022 season alone. The attorney general said, quote, California has the largest safe, legal, and regulated cannabis market in the world, but unfortunately, illegal and unlicensed grows continue to proliferate. And many still argue the state's tax infrastructure is to blame for a large part of that. So let's travel north now to check in with Marianne Kursaji for this week's Oregon Report. I'm Marianne from Alibi Cannabis with this week's Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Rapper Wiz Khalifa is coming to Oregon. Hot box out in Ontario, just a stone's throw over the Snake River from the Idaho border, is hosting a free community concert October 15th. Definitely worth stopping by if you are in the area. Oregon's Governor Kate Brown is rated last, according to Morning Consult. So President Biden is coming to town this weekend to garner support for the Democrat running for governor. If you have an extra 10 grand, you can get a photo with him. Wild, the number one cannabis edibles brand, which is based in Oregon, is launching a new line of solventless gummies. Due out in Q4, these look delicious. That'll do it for the Oregon Report this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi for Weed Talk News. Even further north in Washington state, the eighth annual Cannabis Summit was recently held where our own Josh Kincaid spoke on a panel discussing efforts to bring cannabis cafes to the state. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Washington just had their eighth annual Cannabis Summit. I was on a panel for a uh, cannabis Consumption Lounge. It's still a Class C felony to maintain or operate a cannabis lounge in Washington State, um, but that was just one panel. So the um, it was called Foundations and Futures, the 8th Annual Cannabis Summit. Started off with a, um, a welcome opening from the uh, director, and the keynote was Representative Shelley Kloba, who has been um, really helpful in, in my bill that I wrote to overturn that Class C felony on maintaining and operating a cannabis lounge. So Representative Klobo was was in the house, 
um, and she's helped push a, a lot of our bills as well. There was a tribal innovation panel that was really interesting. And so I got to chat with the gal afterwards um, about tribal cannabis. Hopefully we'll get um, in to go and see one of those facilities and talk about that uh, later on in the year. There was an equitable capitalization and commerce panel. Very interesting. All of these things can be found at the cannabisalliance.us. After lunch, we got to speak from a gal who was in jail for 87 years, and that's where the name of her company is called, is 87, uh, Evelyn LaChapelle, Le, uh, Le really interesting. Then it was the Social Consumption Lounge, where we talked about uh, how to generate enough revenue, some of the obstacles uh, that we needed to overcome, uh, what's happened in the last three years since I've written a bill, COVID, pretty self-explanatory, and what we needed to do to move forward. After my panel, there was the Building Bridges to Safe Medicine panel, followed by the closing keynote for Dr. Sue Sisley, who everybody should know. Dr. Sue Sisley is on a lot of panels. Um, so that was it. It was very interesting. Next week, you guys can find out more about Washington State's cannabis scene. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State cannabis report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Heads reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Traveling to New England now, we're nearly two weeks into recreational weed being legal in Vermont, and companies are reporting a big response for retail with lines out the door and wait times nearing an hour. Jessie Lynn Dolan has the latest from Vermont this week. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. Seven new licenses were approved at this week's Vermont Cannabis Control Board meeting, including four retailers, two indoor cultivators, and one manufacturer. Since April, the Cannabis Control Board has held 147 public meetings. In this week's meeting, they clarified staff roles and advertising guidelines. All social media advertising posts must meet the advertising guidelines specified in Board Rule 2. The goal is ensuring that advertisements maintain child-friendly standards. With some of the legislatively mandated strictest advertising in the country, the board has made advertising violations some of the most serious offenses in the industry. Contrary to popular rumors, the board will not be closing the applications for retail licenses and would give adequate notice if they decide to do so. The Vermont Cannabis Nurses Association and Clean Green Certified will be hosting a cannabis professional and bud tender training state approved at the Cannabis Control Board itself in Montpelier on October 29th, as well as starting to offer virtual class options. The free for Vermonters Cannabis Nurse Hotline launched this week and is accepting supporting partners. Check out vermontcannabisnurse.com for more information. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse and Gangier, Jessie Lynn Dolan. The Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission held a public meeting this Thursday, and one of the main topics of interest involved the commission's new chair. Weed Talk News producer Tori Chamberlain has the details in this week's Bay State Report. Hey guys, this is Tori Chamberlain with the Massachusetts Report this week, and the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission held a public monthly meeting this week that got pretty interesting. The main focus of discussion was around licensing, not only for businesses that were looking to renew their licenses, but also for those who have been awarded a provisional license, and now they're looking to be awarded their final license and begin operations and getting revenue. 
What makes this situation really interesting for the Cannabis Control Commission right now is that the current chair of the commission, Shannon O'Brien, was until recently a 50% owner in one of these companies, Greenfield Greenery Cultivation. Records show that she stepped away from that ownership several months back and that earlier this year in 2022, the company submitted an application to the Cannabis Control Commission to change ownership. So currently, the commission is facing two applications from this company, one for final approval on licensure and one to change ownership from the person who is now the chair of the commission. The meeting that happened this week lasted nearly six hours and was filled at times with some kind of contentious discussion about what should be done to handle this situation going forward. A lot of the discussion focused around language and how that's going to be adopted into how the commission handles this going forward. Basically, what was decided is that right now the commission's investigation team is going to be looking into the ownership side of things and the licensure provision for them is just going to be on hold sort of for, for now. And some advocates argue and speculate that maybe that night might not be totally fair to the other employees and people who are working at Greenfield Greenery. By all statutory standards, it seems that the company is compliant by state standards and should be awarded their license to operate. But this situation with Shannon O'Brien coming out of the ownership of the company is really making it an interesting and unprecedented one for the commission to handle. So they wrapped up that meeting with adopting a proposal to move forward, um, basically leaving this flexible as they go forward, keeping the two processes separate, but also wanting to look at them together so that they have what they say will be all the facts. That's what's going on in the Bay State this week. I'm Tori Chamberlain. See you next time. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. Also here in the Bay State, last week, we gave you a sneak preview of the High Lifestyle event in Boxborough, and our own Jimmy Young has the inside look at all the celebrities and community that turned out for the event. Everything's gonna be Billed as Nikan presents Gary Sommer's production of The High Lifestyle Show. And it was the Whalers concert at the Boxborough Regency that was the big highlight of the High Life Cannabis Friendly Trade Show and Arts Festival. Indian hemp arrives on ships, tinctures for white American lips. Legal medicine for a hundred uses. No drug abuse, no bust, no bruise, no fuss, no news. Just trust in that old-fashioned cannabis Americana. Way before it became known as marijuana. That's Cannabis, a Viper Vaudeville. This exceptionally talented group from New York shared the musical history of cannabis as they headlined the first night of this show for the so-called highly functioning people. Ain't never gonna get me Cause when I get low I get high Let's get high boys 
speaking of parents, both you and Tommy are now working with your adult children. How rewarding is that? How much fun is that? It is really great you know, to see them develop with their own mind. Uh, Joey, my son, who's here tonight, I don't know where he's. It's tough to see through these lights, you know that. <laughs> yes, that was the legendary Cheech Marin. He was the headliner interview on Sunday. And John Provost, a Hollywood legend who started his career as Timmy on Lassie. And he's been around Hollywood royalty for decades. Got a phone call a, a, a year ago from a young man who just finished a, a, a sci-fi story movie that he was doing. And he calls and he says, you know, we'd like you to do the voice of a robot in our new sci-fi movie. And I'm going, well, I've never done. Now, June Lockhart, when she left the farm, she went to outer space. Well, I'm finally going to find out where she got lost. You know, so, you know, it just goes on and on. So I, I keep playing. That's great. The Land of the Moonshins I created in 79. It was a comic strip that I did in the newspaper. And then there's Bill Diamond, another legend, this time as a TV producer, puppeteer, and creative genius who entertains wherever he is. Everybody's favorite Christmas character, the Grinch, is here. And the, and the reason the Grinch is, well, we all grew up with it, of right. course, but I'm good friends with Sarah Karloff and her dad in the narration, the first Grinch. So when they were doing a Chuck Jones tribute, I was gonna do a Dr. Rock thing out in Vegas. They had Chuck Jones there. And so we were going for the 50th anniversary. And um, one of those elements was Sarah's dad. And so I talked to Sarah about it and then we unveiled the Grinch over there for the 50th anniversary. So we built a full size and played Boris's um, narration. And this way Sarah could always tell you know, um, the story about her dad, which he, she kind of learned from us. Now, I have a puppet of Boris Karloff, which when I started Monster TV 20 years ago, um, I went to Sarah and I said, what do you think when we hung out for a while? And so I created the Karloff puppet. And basically when Karloff would talk, he'd go, oh, no problem, my dear friends. We'd simply be there with the Grinch. Now, I won a Grammy for that. The problem is that little thing they gave me was just a doorstop. <laughs> and, and, and she loved it. And uh, so we wound up doing this project together and everyone loves the Grinch. Weed, music, highly functioning people, arts and business. Kind of a normal weekend for the cannabis industry. From Boxborough, Massachusetts, Jimmy Young reporting for Weed Talk News. That does it for Weed Talk News this week, everyone. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there, so use it wisely. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and we'll see you next time. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, 
Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.